Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick. And if you tuned into us earlier this morning, you uh, will soon find out that we have a double header today. We do that often now because we have so many awesome folks that we want to share their life experiences with in the political business and the business world here in Alaska. So, um, but first I want to thank our show sponsor, Gungerstein for Senate, for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska. So she is running for U.S. Senate. She is a nonpartisan candidate. She uh, has a couple things to say about how Joe Biden is not doing a great job. And she is uh, uh, for uh, oil development in Alaska. So go check her out. She She's uh, on one of our podcasts maybe about a month or so ago. It's worth the listen. So we just want to thank our show sponsor again, Gungerstein for Senate, for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. But without further ado, I have a very special guest, a friend of mine who I consider a living legend, Dave Donnelly. Now, Dave probably won't tell you everything he's done in his political career because we only really have time for uh, kind of hearing about how he first got involved and what he's doing now. But Dave is a former how uh, he's a former state house representative, former state senator. He is a uh, uh, a former chief of adjudication, which I don't even know what that means, but it sounds awesome that he was a chief. And he is a current elected official. He is the sole conservative on the Anchorage School Board. And so all the parents out there that are listening and thinking, what do we do? What do we do? What school board, Anchorage, we live in Anchorage, what do we do? Dave is literally holding down the fort for every conservative in Anchorage by his lonesome. And he does it with a smile on his face. And he uh, does it with a certain charisma that only folks like him can do. So without further ado, welcome Dave to the Mustard Alaska Show. John, it's great to see you again. Well, I'm super excited you're on here. You've had a very illustrious political career, one for the record books in Alaska, one thing that, that I look at, and it's just full of awesome wins. And so tell us how you first got involved in politics. Give us that story. Let's let folks know, peek behind the curtains a little bit. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, when I, you know, I was born in Anchorage, and when I Got home from college and moved into my parents' old house in Spinard. It's a house my dad built in 1952. And um, so people would knock on my door, you know, campaigning. And um, I started to think, well, you know, I'm not really happy with what's going on in the legislature. And so I started, I went out and I talked to people that I knew who I thought would do a good job. And I tried to convince them to run for office, right? And nobody that I thought would do a good job, you know, wanted to run. And and it got down to the last filing day in 1982. And so I filed. And one other person filed for that also in the primary. And I didn't make that primary. I was a total novice, right? I was, I think, <laughs> 25 years old or 26 years old, just past the bar exam. and. Um, got got interested in it and and then the the next time it came around 
I was much more prepared and I did real good. I made it. I came in second in a three-way race, but I got knocked out in the primary again. So those are two losses, right? But state senator called me up and said, hey, you ran a great campaign. How would you like to come work for me and be one of my finance aides? And so I said, well, that sounds interesting and great. So I went to work in Juneau as a as a uh, aide to a member of the Senate Finance Committee. And that really turned things around for me. I got the experience I needed. And then my third try was the charm. And I, I, I defeated, I was the only person in Anchorage area to defeat an incumbent. And that's how I got into the legislature. Although I count those two as those races as losses. And overall now I'm 17 and four with elections. Nice. That's pretty good. It gets you into the NCAA playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good batting average too. So John, I, I, now I warned you about this before we go any farther. Anything I say about the school board or the school district, I am required by school district policy. Strangely, no other legislators or elected people have to do this to say that I am not speaking for them today. I'm only <laughs> speaking for myself. Well, I'm sure you're you're wise enough to figure out the difference between the two. I think that uh, I love that story because I think that oftentimes people, you know, they run for office. And let's say they're running for the assembly or something like that, and they lose, and they just never try again. Or maybe they lose twice and they never try again. Well, you picked yourself up by the bootstraps, and you decided not to take, you know, a defeatism negative attitude, and you got yourself a job on, you know, working uh, the finance angle for an elected official. And then the third time out, you won. And one of the things I love about your career is you were a trendsetter before it was cool to do this particular thing and and tell us what you did in 1997 because I think that this is such a cool um, a story how somebody can pivot and still make a difference. Well, I have to tell you, being from Spinard, I was always a pretty conservative Democrat, uh, very strong pro gun, uh, and I had a I was elected. There was a group of Democrats. I guess we call those blue dog Democrats. The you know. There was a Pat Rohde and a Red Boucher and, and Sean Parnell's dad, Pat Parnell. And they were, you know, and a lot of these guys were, were pro-life and strongly Second Amendment, pro-Second Amendment. And over, there came a time in the legislature where I looked around, John, and, and I was the last one. They were all gone. And Drew Pierce was the president of the Senate at the time. And Drew came to me and she said, you know, Dave, you drive us crazy every year with your budget cut amendments. You know, we really like those amendments, but we can't vote for them because we have <laughs> caucus agreement not to vote for any amendments on the floor. And she said, in fact, we've been counting and you vote with us more than Steve Rieger does. So we really want you to become a Republican and join our caucus. And and so people think, you know, I get I, a lot of time I hear people say, you know, well, you went out and you did this for, you know, for all these reasons. But it was really because Drew Pierce came and said the Republican senators wanted me to join them was really the incentive. And 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 what a difference, John, the difference between being in a Democratic caucus where I was totally under pressure to toe the line, only vote the way they wanted me to vote, have no freedom to, to disagree with the caucus to the Republican caucus, where it was very, it was completely the opposite. When when members of that caucus staked out an issue and, and, and said it ahead of time, guys, I just disagree with you on this. I'm not going with you on this one. That was the end of it. Yeah, I mean, the pressure stopped. 
And it wasn't something you got to do this because of us, not because you think it's right. And it was just a real game changer in my life. And it made me just personally so much happier and enjoyed so much more of the job after that happened. Well, you've probably seen a lot in your day because you were an elected official in the 80s, 90s and 2000s, early 2000s. Is there a difference between um, how you see it today, you know, the sauce being made between the House and the Senate, you know, compared to what it was like when you were there? I know that sometimes it can be the grass is always greener, especially, you know, looking back in hindsight and stuff. But I feel like I hear stories from folks that used to be elected and it seems like the people got along a lot better back then. Is was that the case? Is what what's the difference that you see? I do think we got along better back then. I do think there was there was uh, well, we also actually had to do the three quarter vote every year too. And, and for those folks out there who don't know what that is, to get access to the constitutional budget reserve, you have to get a three quarters vote of the legislature. That's super hard to do. Forty five out of sixty people have to vote. And we used to have to access those funds over the last decade or so. They've come up with different reasons why they didn't have to do that. So they didn't have to get that consensus that we used to have to build. And when I was co-chair of finance from day one of the legislature, that's that was my job was to make sure that at the end of the session, we were in position to get those 45 votes. So you got to talk to people. You got to find out what's you know, what are your priorities and then start to narrow that down to things that, you know, your caucus can agree with, as well as my, you know, individuals in the minority that you're going to need their vote to get out of Dodge, we called it. And so we were talking, I think, a lot more. It just seems for me from the outside that we were talking a lot more among ourselves than what's currently going on. And, and, and we also spent a lot of time in caucus. Um, the Senate Majority Caucus, when I was there, was meeting, you know, three or four times a week uh, and sometimes every day of the week. And I don't, you know, I mean, it's just what I've been told. They didn't meet at all this year. Yeah, they didn't meet at all. <laughs> Which, so you're telling me you actually had to meet with people. You couldn't just tweet about it. You had to actually see them face to face. Well, you know, I mean, it was my job to get 45 votes and yeah. I took it seriously. And we got out of there on time. So um, you probably had several accomplishments that you're proud of over the years. But before we kind of transitioned into talking about the school board stuff, was there anything in particular that stood out to you? that you know you look back on and you think man i can't believe you know i pulled that off or we pulled that off uh, tell us about one of those accomplishments well i would say the constitutional amendments that i was directly involved with are the things that of course are your heritage changes you know things to the alaska constitution i introduced i had actually sb1 every year which was to put the right to bear arms into the state constitution and i did that as a democrat and the Republicans came to me finally and said, look, you know, we want to pass this thing, but we can't do it with your name on it. Uh, will you agree? Will you agree to let us put this in as a committee bill? And then we're going to get it done. And so I agreed to allow that to happen. And it was it was something that I'd worked on with, well, former Senator Rohde for over a decade. And so by, be, by agreeing to back off and say, yes, you can take my constitutional amendment, you know, and, and do it as a committee bill, so my name won't be on it, 
it got done. And I was, you know, that was a huge accomplishment to actually get the right to bear arms into the state constitution. People take it for granted now. It it was very, it was controversial at the time. It, it, it we, took 10 years of work? Yeah, 10 years of work. 10 years of work. The other one that I participated in that my name wasn't on was the Victims' Rights Constitutional Amendment. Um, when There were two sections. I had a section on victims' rights. Uh, and, 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 of course, I did a lot of the legislation on victims' rights, too, victims of crime rights. Uh, worked carefully with Victims for Justice, really made some huge progress. We were cutting edge. We were tip of the spear in America regarding crime victims' rights. And the at the time I was in the minority, and same scenario, it says, we want to take your bill and put it into somebody else's bill. And uh, so uh, will you give it up, right? And I was a minority member. I wasn't going to get it through, but uh, by by allowing them to take the text out of my bill and put it in another, you know, another constitutional amendment, it got through. And so that was a huge accomplishment. The one, the third one that actually got adopted that I'm super proud of is my Alaska Higher Constitutional Amendment. It removed all the state blocks to having local higher laws by just defaulting to the federal standard. And there's a lot that can be done now that couldn't have been done before because there were Supreme Court cases that were based just exclusively on our state constitution, putting roadblocks in the way of local hire and Alaska hire. And, and as a result of that, we did get some Alaska hire laws through that I authored. And actually I asked the Department of Labor, You know, we had a recent decision not to defend that by the Department of Law but they were there for over 20 years. And I said, well, how many Alaskans got jobs because of that? And they said, <laughs> a lot, probably. Something like 50,000 Alaskans <laughs> ended up getting jobs in construction. Yeah. Jobs they, can save, they can send Dave Donnelly a thank you card. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I'm, I'm real proud of those three. I could talk about some more, but that's those are top three. That's exciting. So uh, somewhere along the lines recently, you decided, man, I got to put my name in the hat for the Anchorage School Board and uh, tell us about why you put your name in the hat and uh, and what does that look like? You know, a lot of people don't sh a lot of people show up to the assembly meetings, but not a lot of people show up as you know, in comparison to the Anchorage School Board. So tell us about why you threw your hat in the ring and then kind of what the makeup of the board looks like. Well, when my wife and I had the twins um, really got involved in their school. And it was in the PTA and on the board, the school had its own board of directors, kind of like, because it was an alternative school. It was, a, it was a patriotic school in Anchorage, Northern Lights ABC, really fundamental American, you know, and patriotism. Did the Pledge of Allegiance, the national anthem, and the Alaska flag song every morning in our school. Nice. Right? And that was because us parents wanted that to happen, right? And after a while, it really became apparent to me there was problems with the district. And so that's what really inspired me to run for the school board was trying to make a difference, uh, you know, uh, with what I had seen, the problems I had seen as a parent. Um, and uh, I was fortunate enough to win my first try for the board. And um, it's been and then I was reelected two years ago in a municipal election. I was the top vote getter in that election citywide. Um, but uh, the actual makeup of the board has gone from being a kind of almost a balance between conservatives and, and progressives. And now today, um, it's pretty much six to one. Um, I'm it for the, um, um, what you would call the, um, the, well, more Republican point of view. Yeah. So what, what, how can a parent make a difference? You know, we have 
lots of parents that listening that'll that'll listen to this you know does showing up to school board meetings work does writing you a letter work does writing the superintendent a letter work does making phone calls work what are some tangible things as a school board member who's seen it all how what what you could encourage parents uh to do to make a difference showing up at meetings and 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 talking uh it's wide open you just show up sign up and and the first hour of a meeting or you know there's one hour set out for public testimony three minutes talk about anything you want um, um, and then you get another chance during the meeting when any specific proposal comes up you can also come up and talk about those specific proposals that are before the board and so it's it's an amazing opportunity to get your points across I think that has more impact than almost anything else is people who take the time to come in person and, and explain to the school board what their opinion is on, uh, on what's happening in schools and, and, and with their kids. Do, does the uh, school board meetings get as lively as the assembly meetings or are they a little bit more low key? Well, they're mostly more low key, really. Yeah. <laughs> there are some issues that, that get people cranked up. Yeah, but yeah. but but other than the teacher's contract, the teacher's contract causes more people to turn out than anything else. They they do a very powerful. Lots lots of teachers turn up to support their contract. So what are a couple of things maybe this year that you know as a sole conservative or the sole person that's you know right of center, uh, it's probably tough to get much tangible things accomplished as opposed to being the one voice that is constantly, um, you know, wanting to be fiscally responsible or those kinds of things. What does it look like for you to have success on the school board? What are a couple things that you're looking forward to this next year and accomplishing while you're still on the school board? Well, there's a lot of quirky rules about the school board that make it much more difficult if you're the only member on a particular issue. First of all, they don't allow me to put things on the agenda unless I have a second uh, sponsor. So even though there's only seven of us, I don't have the freedom to introduce legislation um, the way I would as a senator or, or a representative. You don't need a, you don't need a co-sponsor as one of 40 representatives to put something in, but as one of seven school board members, I can't introduce a resolution without a second vote. So that's that makes it challenging sometimes. Well, it makes it challenging all the time, actually. Yeah, that's got to be, geez, I can't imagine you've, you know, bitten your lip a couple times wanting to introduce stuff and you like literally can't because the bylaws won't let you. Yeah, I can't. And, and, and the second thing is you're very limited in your opportunities to talk about anything that isn't on the agenda. Um, there's almost at school board meetings, the only time there's only two ways you can bring up an issue if it's not on the agenda right now. And that's if you can somehow get it in under the superintendent's report as some sort of question, which I've been criticized by the president several times as I pushed my limits on that. And she only usually lets me have two questions at the most, right? And, and second is at the end, the very end of the meeting, there's a comment period. And believe it or not, I've even been criticized for my comments weren't enough on the school issues at, at the moment, right, <laughs> to be appropriate. 
and and it's that restrictive and it's also strange because the school board runs under robert's rules of order now you know that uh, most the legislatures don't do that they run on a thing called mason's manual which is designed for legislative elected bodies robert rules of order is designed for your garden club or your record club or your book club it's not designed for a legislative body it actually has chunks of it that says that once your club votes on something you're not allowed to publicly disagree with it and that just doesn't translate into an elected public office but when i first got to the school board they would try to enforce that against me and I've pointed out many times, you can't do that. The Supreme Court of the United States has said that elected official speech is the highest form of protective speech in the United States. You can't put limits on what elected officials say about public policy. Amen and, to that. And some of the board members actually believe they could get away with that. And it was just, you know, but eventually they backed down on that one. You, do, you dust off your law degree and, you know, bring it to the next meeting. <laughs> So uh, I guess my last question to you this is, Dave, you know, you've uh, you've done it all. You know, you've been in the House, you've been in the Senate, you've you're an elected uh, school board official. You've done some other things inside of state government. Um, what's been your favorite role? And then what's one piece of advice you'd give to somebody who's thinking about running? Well, first of all, run for school board. I mean, we as conservatives have really dropped the ball when it comes to local government. The, the National Democratic Party went out 10 years ago and had a strategy of taking over school boards all over America, and they pulled it off. Um, we need to catch up there. We need common sense voices on school boards that represent conservative values and patriotic values. And I just think it's essential. Um, it, the, the way it's structured in Anchorage makes it really tough for the average person to run for school board because you're elected citywide, just like the mayor. So it's very challenging to run a campaign. Um, we need, I have advocated the school district, uh, the school board should run in districts just like the assembly does. That gives citizens a chance to actually go door to door, knock on doors, get votes that way, do a grassroots campaign. Much, almost impossible when it's 200 to 300,000 people you're trying to, you know, as your voting base. Um, and, and I just really think people need to, to just pay attention to this because it's so crucial because it's it's how our next generation is being taught and evolving and the the ethics that they're being provided with and and it's it's i i just can't stress enough i i very much wish i'd been on the school board before i'd been a state senator i i would have been um i would have known a lot of things that i, I that now i know that i wish i would have known when i was a senator and I think I could have done, uh, would have been more, even more effective than I was. And, uh, yeah. Well, Dave, I appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much for spending a half an hour with us here on the Must Read Alaska show. Uh, for folks that are just tuning in, uh, you just, uh, you're going to want to rewind it back 30 minutes and listen to Dave. He is a former um, state house, state senator, elected school board member in uh, Anchorage, and he's held various other roles within the state government. And he is a living legend. And I really mean that. He's um, a guy that I have much respect for uh, in his uh, very successful career. And so thanks for coming on the Must Read Alaska show. Do we have 30 seconds? We do. We have 30 seconds.
the number one accomplishment I'm proud of as a school board member is I got rid of automatic promotion in the Anchorage School District. <laughs> nice, that's and huge. For 20 years, you couldn't hold a kid back, even if he couldn't read, he couldn't do math, it didn't matter. They they automatically promoted him to the next grade. So I got that policy, that written policy of automatic promotion changed. So now it's based on what is the best interest of the child. What is the best interest of that student? So if the parents and the, and the teachers agree that it's in the best interest of that student to hold them back so they can actually read, you know, get what, where they should be, we can do that now. And uh, I'm real proud of that. That's exciting. Well, Dave, I hope you stay on the school board and you keep running and we'll find some other folks to join you there. And uh, for folks uh, tomorrow, there's going to be another show, Must Read Alaska. I'm going to have uh, Assembly member Jesse Bjorkman who's running for uh, the uh, state Senate as well. He's assembly member here on the Kenai Peninsula representing Nikiski, where I live. And uh, he's running for state Senate against Tuckerman Babcock. He'll be on the show tomorrow, 9 a.m. And then I have some other folks throughout the rest of the week. So we hope you tune in and join us tomorrow. Uh, and until next time from somewhere in Alaska, I'm John Quick wishing you an awesome Monday. And we also want to thank our show sponsor. I almost forgot. Gungerstein for Senate for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. Because of her sponsorship, we're able to get conservative news for all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. Go check her out. She's running for U.S. Senate. Uh, she's nonpartisan and uh, pro-resource development. Got a couple good, got a couple things to say about how Joe, Joe Biden's not doing a great job. So until next time from somewhere in Alaska, I'm John Quick. Thanks, Dave.